You're listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast, the place for the kick-ass woman who needs a kick in the ass. Your host, Jen Rosenbaum, is giving you the tools to shed shame and live the biggest life possible. So kick off your heels, get comfy, and get ready to be the boss of your life. Today, we are talking to NJ Ronger, and I love her because she is an outside-the-box thinker, a truth-teller, and regularly tells her clients, I can't sign off on that if she thinks they're making a mistake in their business. She loves to encourage women to thrive in the people, places, and passions they've been given and encourage gals to do hard things. She loves her coffee, boxer, and wearing the title of strategy consultant. She is a friend of mine. She is a butt kicker. She's an accountability partner, but what I love the most about this interview is how she talks about beating, you know, living to the beat of her own drum and doing what makes her happy. So if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a mom, if you're battling with standing out and being yourself, today is absolutely the podcast for you. Take a listen, fall in love with NJ just like I did. So welcome, NJ. I am so happy to have you with me today on the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast. Um, in uh, fairness and in uh, transparency, I will admit you are my first recording of a podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. And you guys, what she wants me to tell you all, and I'll say it, even though my crowd probably will be offended, but that's okay because I swim in the sea of working Christian moms. That's my business, but I'm popping her podcast, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So as you guys might have heard, NJ loves Voxer. So yesterday I said NJ and Voxer and I said, Hey, I can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. It's, it, you know, and she said, Oh yeah, I'm going to pop your podcast cherry. And I was like, Whoa, how do we get that in the podcast somewhere? Cause it, if your audience is offended, mine loves it. <laughs> so thank you for obliging. NJ. You are very welcome. And you know, it's not that they're offended. It's just that they might be offended, but I really don't care because I love Jesus and I swear a little. So grace for all. My kind of girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that we're doing this. I met NJ actually officially back in October at the Boss Mom Retreat. Um, and immediately I just, I love your energy. So I was definitely drawn to you. I love your storytelling. You're an amazing storyteller. But not only that, you're, can I say, since we can swear a little, you're a great ass kicker. And, um, I love that about you. So it would be like, if I, if I was like, I want to accomplish something and Jay would be like, what do we need to do to get it done? You know, like, let's just take action. So, uh, I want to talk a little bit today, starting, um, with, you had mentioned about starting something scared. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, tell me what that means. All right. So starting something scared. I think that a lot of times, especially we women, we build these ideas up in our head and we basically talk ourselves out of it because we think that we're not qualified, that we shouldn't do it because somebody else is doing it or that we don't bring value because somebody else is always more er, right? Somebody else is prettier, smarter, more successful er. They are a better writer. They are a better speaker. They have, they're wealthier, 
they are more polished, they're all of these other things. And so we we take a look at to the left and to the right and we see what these other people are doing, whether it's in our business or when it's in our personal life. And we get distracted by what they're doing instead of like staying our lane and staying focused on what we want to accomplish. And so I think that we talk ourselves out of things, but really, if we just made a plan and started that plan and worked that plan step by step, we could accomplish a lot of things, even if we were scared. So you guys, I'm going to jump in and take the reins for a second, because I'm the more established newbie podcaster out of the two of us. And the landscapers are here. So if you hear the lawn mowing in the background, just know that there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> this is this is just my luck. Like I have been wanting to do this podcast for so long, and the what the day that I started at the exact hour that I started, the landscaper shows up. But that's all good because that that's also, okay. The spring is coming, so it's, it's okay. And this is one of the things. Like I have on my desktop background screen. You know the screen that you see all the day, all day. It says literally one of the steps is go ugly early. So we're going to go ugly early today. Yeah, I love and just it. I keep love going. It. I'm really all about presence over perfection. So that that's that's good. All right. So let's get back to what you were saying. So you I love that you're talking about this because I see this all the time in my um, business as photographer as a photographer and as working with empowering women that we compare ourselves to other women so often. I mean, I do it too. You walk into a room and you go. Oh, okay. I'm not as smart as these people. I'm not as talented. I'm not, you know, you start doing all of that. Why do you think that women do that? Why are we so inclined to do that? I think that part of the reason why we are so inclined to do that is because from a very small age, we are sort of crafted and molded that way by society. You know, we never teach our kids to focus 100% on staying on our own path and our own purpose because we put them in sports, we put them in dance, we put them in places where they're surrounded with people of various levels of success and talent from a very young age. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about your four-year-old daughter, you put her in gymnastics, there are some kids who are naturally gifted in gymnastics mm-hmm. and that per- she's surrounded by that. So she sees that... I am not as great of a cartwheeler. I am not as fast. I am not these things. So I think what you have to do is you have to put on your own mindset and just say, you know what? I might be not as great as these people if we compare them on paper, but I have a story that is unique to me. And the way that I bring value to this world is through my story. If you think about your fingerprint, It's the only one that you have that is yours. Nobody else has a fingerprint like you in this entire world. Nobody does. It's unique to you. And that's true with your story. Even if you have a twin sister, you have different points of view and different different ways that you were created to see this world. And so we have to take a hold of our stories and use those as a launch pad for these things that we want to do when we're scared. So how do you work through something when you're scared? How, how mentally or and physically or however you want to share, do you take on things that you're scared? Because it sounds so easy, right? Like, oh, we'll just do it. Even though you're scared, just do it. Um, but even for people that have a little bit more bravery, it's got you have to have those moments of, oh, what's happening right now? Should I be doing this? So how do you work through those moments? The way that I like to think of it is nobody one day woke up 
and took the stage of American Idol. Like they didn't just like decide one day that they were going to be on American Idol. But what they did is they set goals and they took the right steps along the way to reach that destination. So when I'm in the process of doing something new or doing something that is scary or foreign to me, what I like to focus on is nothing more than the next right step. Because if you look at the bigger picture, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm starting this podcast. I'm starting it for the whole world to see. What if somebody listens to it? (laughs) You know, like what if somebody like listens to it? And what if it has an influence and what if it makes a big impact? And what if all of these things happen? But instead of doing that, I focus on, okay, the next right step today is to send an email to invite somebody to be on my show where we can have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And then the next right step is to upload that to Dropbox. And then the next right step is to get it to the producer. So it's just a series of steps. And by the time I get to the really scary part, which is releasing it out to the world, it's too late. It's already done. Right, right. So you kind of force yourself into a corner like, all right, well, there's no backing out now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the reason why this is so important to me and why I'm so passionate about it is because I'm a mom and I have a little girl who is going to see the world and see all of the errors out there, but she's going to be looking at me to see how I handle my errors, like my smarters, my prettiers, my thinners, my fasters, all of those things. She's already looking to see how I run and live my life. And the only way that I know to raise a confident daughter is to be a confident mother. And I don't have any time to waste with that. I have none. Because what if I walk out the door today and get hit by a bus? Yeah. Like, God forbid. What if? No. <laughs> right. God forbid. But what if I did? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I have a daughter also. My daughter's 12. How old is your daughter? Four. Yeah. So like what an impressionable age. And it's so funny because at four... Like, do you see her starting to notice the errors? Because I think that, um, like, up until probably about four or five years old, my kids were all like, I'm the best thing in the entire world. Like, there's, you know, I could do anything I put my mind to. And then there comes a point where the, the errors start sneaking in. And all of a sudden that, that changes. And I don't know where, when that happens, it's like, it's like a a drip, right? And then all of a sudden you have a flood. It's just a little drip, a little drip of, of information that they're getting from society. And all of a sudden they're like, well, I can't do it. And the first time I think my daughter said to me, I can't, I was like, I failed. You know, what do you mean you can? Of course you can. And one of the quotes I say to my daughter constantly, um, it's a quote by Roosevelt and it's, um, comparison is the thief of joy. And every time she says, well, this one has that, or this one's doing that. I say, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. Stay in your lane. You know, I, I say it over and over, but it's, I almost feel as if now I'm undoing the work that society did, even though I tried so hard from the beginning to instill that in her. So do you see that? I'm curious at four, since my daughter's 12 and we're in those preteen horror years, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if at four years old, you're starting to see a shift at all in her. Um, I don't see it in her yet. Um, mostly because we as a family live life a little differently anyway. Um, and we celebrate the fact that we live life a little differently. Like we just have quirks that maybe the modern American family doesn't have or do, or, you know, like, so my daughter says things like put it away or put it in the trash. Like we have things where like 
it's just different in our family because we've cultivated a different set of family values than what the modern world might have. Um, so can I don't see some examples of that. I don't want to cut you off, but I want some exact, can you give me some examples of what those are? Sure. So like one of the things that we do is we don't throw huge friend birthday parties for our kids. We don't, we give them the choice and we've always given them the choice between inviting one or two friends on for a special play date or taking the cash that we would spend and banking it. Mm -hmm. And my son has almost always chosen to take the cash because in our family, we talk a lot about the value of saving and how much money costs and how much things are. And it makes him really sad sometimes because he's, you know, older. And so he's experienced some of the errors, but how old is he? He is eight. And for a long time, we were going to a Friday night potluck with maybe seven other families that had kids of various ages. And all of the kids that were his age had an iPhone or a screen. And at first he was like, well, why don't I get to have that? Why can't I have a screen? And I said, because you don't. Because I want you to learn how to be a good friend and how to operate in society and not to suck your life away in in a, a tablet or a phone. And at first he was really sad that he didn't have a phone to play with, to play on, because all of his peers were playing on phones at this. But over the time, he started to get really sad that his friends didn't want to play with him. Mm-hmm. Um. And so that's just something that we value. Like that's a family value that we have is we value connection and relationships over technology. Um, and so we stopped going to that because it wasn't useful for our family anymore. And if you're a family where your kids have, you know, electronics and they take them out and about, there's no judge. There's no judgment. It's just a different family value that we're putting on for our family. I love that you, instead of giving in and getting him a screen, you decided to stop going to the potlucks. I just, I think that's very admirable. It's very um, difficult as a parent to navigate through those things. You know, I, I found it with my daughter. Like I, I was finding that she, she was one of the last to have a cell phone and her friends were all communicating over text message. They were making play dates. They, you know, whatever it is that they were doing and she was being left out socially. And you have that moment of, well, what do I do? It's kind of against my grain you know, I think maybe she's too young, but now socially, this is what's happening in the world. And I mean, we didn't have this growing up, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's a tough place to navigate through all of that. But I love that you're, you are strong in your family values. And when you have that, it's sort of the map to your decision-making. It makes decisions pretty easy, I would assume. It makes decisions a lot easier. And that's not to say that when he's 12, he won't get to have a phone to call or text his friends but he's eight and there is nothing. There is no piece of being eight that in our family needs to have unsupervised internet access. There's no part. There's not, there's no part. And the reason why there is no part isn't because there isn't great things on the, the internet and educational things on the internet, but it's because there's so much evil in the world and there's so much horror on the internet. Mm-hmm. Like there are just things that my eight-year-old eye, my eight-year-old's eyes don't need to see or know about yet. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I commend you on that. It's not as a parent, I know how hard that is. So I think that that's great. And that's part of the reason why I love your energy and why I'm attracted to you as a person is that, um, I love your quirks. Like I love the things that you do and the way that you just are, and there's no apologies about it. And I just think that women can learn such a lesson for that. Forget parenting for a second, because there's a whole other lesson in there, but just living your life as who you are and being able to embrace that without any, um, shame and judgment from others. It's, it's not easy. It's it's not easy. I think especially it it it's not easy, but it's right for us. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to I am confident in my lane. I am confident in my core values. I am confident in my value value drivers because I've discovered them and I've searched my soul and I've found them. And that wasn't easy. And there was a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and a lot of things that I needed to overcome to get to those value drivers. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, now I have like this roadmap that it's almost like a a coffee filter. Mm -hmm. Like you pour the coffee in and it's all a life comes in. But now I have this filter and the filter helps keep out the things in my life that I don't want to be a part of and that a beautiful, delicious coffee comes. And so it was hard. I mean, one of the things that came out of this is I let go of maybe five friends mm. because those five relationships were toxic. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been in relationship with somebody who's toxic or somebody who is there feeding their ego on your um, peonness or putting you not like pee on, but like they're, they're feeding their ego on putting you down and that's how they're serving mm-hmm. their ego. They don't want you to walk out of their life because they don't have that target anymore. And mm-hmm. so I ended up blocking a few numbers and just sort of ghosting a few people. And I'm not sorry that I did that because now I have more room and more headspace in my life for the things that matter to me. Yeah. I've been through that a few times and it is, it's painful. And I think sometimes as women, we feel bad. At least I know I could speak for myself. I felt bad in those moments like, well, but am I being a bad person? Am I giving up on the friendship? Am I, you know, if I just go ghost, but it's always amazing to me. Anytime you release those toxic people from your life, there's never a moment of regret. You know, there's ne- you always feel like, wow, you know, like I can't believe I put up with that for so long. <laughs> like, what was I thinking? Um, you know, letting myself be treated that way, and that's something that we do a lot. I think as women in relationships, at work, you always look back and go, why did I let that happen? So, you know, learning from that experience, I think, is so important. Yeah, I think it's super important, and. I, so my faith is a big part of me and that's just, that's just who I am. And I am not ashamed of my faith because I've put my faith on my own hat. It wasn't my parents' faith. It's mine. And so one of the things that I always think of and not to get all like Jesus-y on you, but one of the things that I always think of is Jesus was a person who lived and died. That's a, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. And I take his life differently than other people might. But one of the things that I think is really interesting about the life and death of Jesus 
is that even when he was with his enemies and with the people who are constantly trying to murder him, he was still pleasant and kind to them no matter what. But he didn't let them into his life the way that he let his disciples in. It was a different relationship with a different boundary. And so I think that it's okay then to have relationships in different buckets and different categories and to have different boundaries on them. So even even if I run across one of those people that I cut out of my life, you know, five years ago, I'm still going to say, oh, hey, how are you? How are the kids? How's your mom? All those things. But I'm not going to follow up with them. They're not, they don't get to be put back into the friend bucket because they've been removed from that bucket in my life. Mm, that, I think that's another lesson um, for women is we have a hard time setting up boundaries. Most people that I know have a hard time setting up boundaries. Um, that's something that I learned quite a bit through my 20s and 30s. And especially when I had kids, like the minute you have kids, your boundaries change, right? You're like, whoa, I'm not, there's a lot of stuff in, in my life that I've put up with that I am no longer putting up with anymore. And honestly, I went through this sort of um, change also recently when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was like all of a sudden, when you really realize you have limited time on the earth, you go, well, wait, where do I want to spend my energy? Who do I want to you know, be with? Who do I feel good around? Um, who supports me and that I can support back? So there's so many life lessons in that, in setting up those boundaries. I, I agree. And the other thing is, I think that we as women, we need boundaries, but we also need uh, like a motive checker. Um, because I know, for example, my grandmother also walked through breast cancer about two and a half, maybe three years ago. And people who were in her life came crawling out of the woodwork because she had breast cancer. And she was like, that's really great. And that's really nice. And I'm so glad that you are reaching out, but I've been living for the last 20 years. So mm, where you been, (laughs) where you been, you know, where were you when my daughter died? Where were you? Like, what is it like? And it's, maybe that person has had a change and they're like want to have some reconciliation or they want to, you know, just try to be a good friend to you. But what was the motivation for that? Where were you when you were walking through those other hard things? Um, One of my driving purposes in my life is to be a a. 3am friend. Mm -hmm. So I am not pursuing friendships with everybody unless I can be a a. 3am kind of friend to them. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, somebody who I was not in close relationship with, who really the only connector that I had in my life was that I went to school with her brother. Um, I grew up in Illinois, you guys, and it's a really small town and a lot of connectors are like, you're from that town and that's the connector. But this, this person reached out to me in the middle of crisis because she was living near me and she had nobody else Mm. except for me. And it was like a a. 3am phone call. Mm. And so did it change your relationship? It didn't. It was like, I was only meant to be that person for her in that short season. And then that was it. And so we're not in relationship anymore. We're not texting or we're not besties. But I think that it spoke a lot to me about how my value drivers 
whether or not they're accessible for everyone, they're seen by everyone. And if somebody needs that, they, they know that they can reach out to me. Mm. Yeah. I love that. You know, I, I, it's so interesting because, um, when I was diagnosed, my best friend said to me, you know, the hardest part of this whole journey is going to be the fact that you don't like to ask for help. And I said, I know I don't, I don't like to ask for help. This is going to be really difficult for me, you know, to admit that I need help and ask for help. And, you know, what I find is that people say, what can I do to help you? What can I do? You know, I'll go to the grocery store. I'll pick up your kids. I'll do whatever. But it's still difficult for me to ask. And I often wonder if um, women were able to ask each other for help more and um, sort of let down that guard of, I need help. I can't do this all on my own. If as a community, we would be closer and it would be better for our families and our children. Have you ever had experience like with, I mean, do you feel that from, you know, what went on with your friend at three in the morning? Um, You know what? It's different for me because I don't, I don't ask people how I can help them. I tell them how I'm going to help them. Mm. And then it's up to them whether or not they accept that or reject that. Because I think a lot of times there, there's an issue of pride, right? So if I say to you, oh, Jen, you know, I'm so sorry that you're, you're really, really sick. Let me know what I can do to help you this week. Mm-hmm. You're so sick that now you've got to make a decision about how you need help. And then you have to get over the pride of asking me for help and wondering if it's okay, or if you really meant it, or if you are imposing and like you, you do the spin cycle world worry and you're already, you're already sick. You're already in a spot. So what I do instead, I tell people how I'm going to help them. Mm. So we have somebody in our church who is selling their house and moving um, which that's a big life step and you need help during that time. Right. Sure. So I told her this week, I said, let me know what your moving date is. And I will meet you at your house with pizza, toilet paper, and cleaning supplies and napkins. Mm. And that's fulfilling a need, right? She doesn't have to think about it. All she has to do now is remember to tell me what that date is. And then she knows that she has that help coming in that way. So that's my advice is find out one specific way that you can really help somebody and just have that be your thing. Yeah. I love that. And that's probably something she didn't even know she needed. <laughs> you know, she, she probably was like, think about. She was like, I would have never thought that I'm going to need toilet paper right away. Right. Um, yeah. And so, and if I would have texted you and said, Hey, I'm coming over on Saturday, I'm going to clean your bathrooms. I'm going to fold a load of laundry and I'm going to bring a pizza for your kids you would have said, okay. Yeah. No, it's a hundred percent true. Cause so many times people would say, oh, you know, let me know if you need dinner, but I would, I don't want to impose. I don't want to ask, but then people would say, I'm coming over with dinner. You say, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's one less thing I have to worry about today. So it is true. And it's something that I have learned through my health journeys and hope I can adapt in my everyday life, not just um, when somebody's you know struggling with something, but mm-hmm. just in everyday life, just say, "Hey, I just thought of you, and I just think that this would be good for you, and you know, I want to do it mm-hmm. for you today." So I think that that's uh, I love that you do that. Yeah, um, and I would say that that moves you um, when when you decide to put on a hat like that. That moves you from being a person that lets life happen to them into a person that makes life happen, um, and it's a different shift. Mm. And I think that that goes back to where we started with this conversation. 
And, you know, when we move through fear and move through things, like you can sit back and you can decide that life is just going to happen to you and things are just going to happen and might produce some anxiety or some fear, some worry, or you can decide that you're the kind of person that makes life happen and you take action. And that's a different kind of mindset. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think that that is, you know, something that people often learn from bad life experiences, unfortunately, is, uh, you know, to learn to find the joy and, and learn to find the happiness and, and to make it happen. And I even just said to a friend yesterday, you know, I'm recovering from surgery right now myself. And I just said to my girlfriend yesterday, I'm so sick of being victim to my body and my cancer and the things that make me unhappy. So I'm deciding as of today, I'm either finding joy in something or it's not happening anymore that's it, period. You know, I'm either going to find joy or I'm going to change it. And, you know, when, when you, in my experience, when you go through something like cancer, people say to you, oh, you're so, you should be happy that you're alive. And there's a huge difference between being alive and feeling alive. And I think that's exactly what you're saying, that you feel alive, that you're making your life, you're creating your life. You're not just letting life happen. Yeah. And one of the one of the things I did to sort of move from I'll give you guys a practical tip here. One of the things that I did to sort of move my mindset this way is I started just making a note of all the things that were bothering me or annoying me and changing them and doing them. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you what a self-esteem a boost it is when you handle something that has been bothering you for a long time. So for me, one of the things that was bothering me forever, and this is so ridiculous, but I would open up my microwave and I would be disgusted at how dirty the inside of it was. And we clean it, but it's not like on my high list of things to like, you don't like check, you don't check off like that box when you're cleaning up after dinner. You just don't. It happens like once in a while or once a month or whatever. Well, I had let this go too long and it was bothering me. Like every time I would open the microwave, I would be like, oh, this is gross. This is disgusting. And then I made this list of all the things that are bothering me. And I was like, you know what? You can change this for yourself in about 90 seconds. It's so true. <laughs> and so I did. And then I was like walking around with my, my shoulders puffed all day because I finally like felt like I was moving into action instead of just being annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I said to you before, like I cleaned off my desk right before we started this podcast interview, right? Cause like my desk has sort of been sitting here for like eight months, just piling stuff on and moving stuff around. And I was finally like, no, you know, I need to give like a special space for this to happen. So I'm going to clear off my desk. And it's amazing just clearing off the desk. I feel already more productive and more into work and more wanting to go into my office. And it only took five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how things like that can change. Crazy. Like I think that we aren't noticers of the sense of accomplishment the way that we should be. Mm-hmm. Because if we were noticers of the sense of accomplishment, we would accomplish more things. Mm. So true. I love that message. So tell me, I want to know three things that you want to accomplish in, I don't know, let's say the next year. What's, what's on NJ's uh, short list of accomplishments that you want to do? Well... The first one is actually by the time that this airs, I hope that this is already done, but I am an ideas person and I have a lot of really great 
business ideas and a lot of, I don't know, like one of the things I'm just really gifted at is I can see where somebody wants to go in their business. And I have very strong feelings about one or two or three of the ways that they can get there. So one of the things that's happening for me, and this feels really scary, is that I'm officially going to be offering strategy sessions. Like you can go to my website and you can book a call with me and we can go through and I can give you some strategy advice, which is something that for a long time I've been so fearful of like, oh, I don't have the platform. I don't have a business degree. I don't have the following. I don't have an email list. There are all these other people out there that are doing this. But I've just decided that there's space for me and I'm going to do it. By the way, you're good at it. You're already doing it. Hello. (laughs) You're already doing it. Well, thank you. So that's the first one. The second one is that I have in my... You know, they say like the the freshman 15, like Mm -hmm. I've gained the entrepreneur 30. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing. Now I feel a lot better, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) And so I want to shed the entrepreneur 30, which, you know, I want to lose uh, about at least 30 pounds. And so that means carving out more time in my day to get active. And it means choosing not to eat my favorite thing in the whole world, which is Italian bread with melted brie and fig jam. Mm. Like so life-giving. Oh man. So, okay, wait, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to pause you before the third thing you want to accomplish. I think you should eat it like once a week. Can you just like, can you just make a change and just say like, I want to eat it once a week. Like I don't understand diets. Diets are dumb because you know what? If that brings you joy, like why not? Maybe just in a different capacity. Cause let me tell you, okay. You're looking at me like I'm crazy, but here's the thing. I'm going to tell you why I say this. Before I was diagnosed with cancer, I was like the green juice yoga going really annoying person that, you know, posts her workouts on Instagram and like all that other stuff, which I still, I'm still annoying and I really don't give a shit. But anyway, um, I was like super healthy and I cut all these things out of my life. And, and then I was diagnosed with cancer and I was like, what, how did this happen? I want a cookie. God damn it. You know, like (laughs) if green juice isn't going to work, give me a cookie. And so, (laughs) um, I really, I've, I'm just sharing my experience. I realized in my life that yes, I want to be fit and I want to be thin and I want to be healthy because it's good for my health and my body and my mindset. But like once in a while, if I want a cookie, like life's too short not to have a cookie. Just that. I will note that. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I just, just the way you talked about it just brought me joy. Like I could taste <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm just saying denial is not always joy, but you know, moderation maybe is. Okay. That's my, that's my two cents. That's two cents. You didn't ask for. Okay. And what's number three that you want to accomplish? Is there number three? Now this is, this is, moderately religious, but it's something that I have been really, really inspired by just so much. And that is this, I follow, um, somebody who is an, or who follows the Orthodox Jewish tradition on Instagram. And one of the things that I see happening every week is I see her preparing for Shabbat Mm. and going dark And over the course of the next year, 
I want to learn more about her process and I want to implement that into my own life. Mm, I love that. You know, I, I love, I, this is, see, this is what I love about you. I love the fact that you are spiritual and religious and you have your faith and yet you're open to learning about other faith and how you can bring the beauty of those faiths into your life because it's not always about the religious part of it but about the um, connection Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so I'm super like I love following her I am obsessed with um she just recently got a new wig yeah and now I am like falling into the rabbit trail of learning more about the the practices of her religion and why she has a wig and what that means and where you can buy them. And I'm just, I'm following, I'm following, I'm falling hard into that trail. You need to come to New York. I'll bring you to Brooklyn. <laughs> I was... I have, she lives in Brooklyn. Yeah, of course she does. Um, Come on. <laughs> but no, and you know, I, I'm, listen, I'm a tribe member. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but actually what started this was my son and I took a trip, a mommy and son trip to New York last fall. And we stayed in Brooklyn in an Airbnb, but we also went to Governor's Island. And I don't know what holiday we were there for. But it was a Sunday and there were lots of um, Orthodox Jews on Governor's Island. And they were saying a blessing for each other. I'm not quite sure, but that's how... how, What? It was in October. Okay. The high holidays are usually around September, October. So like Yom Mm -hmm. Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But... Holidays that are, I, I don't even know because I'm not that religious, but there's a um, lot of holidays in September, October. <laughs> but so just the way that they were carrying on with their families and how they were like, they s- appeared as though they were super into being a family and I love being into my family. So that's what inspired this whole mm-hmm. rabbit trail. And here's a side note. My husband is going to be in Israel for the high holidays in September this year. So yeah. I'm super pumped for him. Which is amazing. You know, it's, it's, uh, I've been to Israel multiple times. And um, so I've done the Shabbat thing there mostly because it's, it's hard for us to do it here. You know, we sometimes light candles on Friday nights and sometimes have Shabbat dinners, but we don't go dark. Mm-hmm. But um, we do it when we go to Israel. And it is like every time we do it, I go, oh man, I really wish that we could do this more in New York. And, and, you know, because it is great family time and the kids, learn so much and they, they integrate with each other and they, they make up games and they just figure out how to keep themselves busy. And Mm -hmm. it's also a time of rest. I mean, we don't get enough of that in our lives for sure, especially on weekends. Like I look forward to Monday now more than I ever did in my entire life because I'm so tired from the weekend. Mm -hmm. So, um, I really commend you on that. It's fun. It's uh, a great experience. And I think it's going to be amazing for you. I think it's like right up your alley. Thank you. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to the rest. I think that, you know, as a mom, I am so busy running my home. And as an entrepreneur, I'm so busy running my family or running my business, I guess. Sorry. And so to be able to get myself into a place where I can turn off and not have to run either of those for 24 hours means that my home is being run efficiently and my business life is stable. And so I think that that's going to be really great because it's going to be a great accomplishment when I'm able to do that. 
Amazing. And Jay, I really appreciate you taking time today to, to chat with me. I miss your beautiful face. I'm happy I got to see you today and hear your voice. Tell everybody where they can find you. So if you want more of me in your life... Which you do. <laughs> everybody does. Okay, go ahead. You can find me... The best place is probably on Instagram, and that is at nj.rongner, and that's R-O-N-G-N-E-R. And if you're interested in learning more about me and my 89 businesses, um, you can go to njrongner.com, which now I have to go build that website. (laughs) (laughs) Get on it, girl. (laughs) I will. Thank you, NJ. Appreciate it and love you much. Thank (laughs) you. Thanks for listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast. If you loved what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes so that more women can learn to live a badass life. To learn more about this movement, go to shamelesslyfeminine.com and join our Shamelessly Feminine Facebook group. Until next time, go out there and be the boss of your life.